Hello and welcome into episode one of the CG Business Advisor podcast brought to you by CG Tax Audit and Advisory. I'm your host, Scott Seidenberg, and each and every episode, we're going to dive into important business-related issues, not just affecting businesses, but individuals as well. On today's episode, we're going to take a look at the Coronavirus Aid, Relief, and Economic Security Act, better known as the CARES Act. Now, what is the CARES Act? Simply put, it was put into place to help affected businesses and individuals deal with the economic impact of the COVID-19 pandemic. But it's not that simple. The CARES Act has a lot of different provisions. And to help us break them down will be Michael DeMola, shareholder in charge of the Tax Services Group. Michael has spent over 30 years with the firm and is recognized in the business community for his advanced tax research, preparation, and planning, in addition to analyzing and structuring tax-related transactions in view of changing economic and tax law considerations. Michael frequently lectures both inside and outside the firm on various areas of tax law and is an accomplished writer with an array of published articles on business and tax issues. Based on his countless hours of research on the CARES Act, he has become somewhat of a guru when it comes to navigating the dark waters of the program and is the perfect guest for our debut episode. As far as the CARES Act goes, to this point, the main concept that business owners have focused on is receiving funds from the Paycheck Protection Program. But receiving these funds is only the first step. Hidden inside the fine print are implications related to this program, as well as a number of other programs that are available through the CARES Act. Loans, tax credits, payroll support. It's a lot to take in. So to help explain it all, we welcome in the aforementioned Michael DeMola. Mike, thanks so much for giving me a couple of minutes here. Yeah, good morning, Scott. Uh, I appreciate the opportunity, and uh, hopefully we could shed some light on uh, what's gone on recently with the CARES Act and the pandemic and all of those uh, things that we're all concerned about and have a lot of questions on, I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely, because the CARES Act, while it seems simple on the surface, can actually be very confusing to a lot of individuals, including myself. So I figured you're the perfect person to come untangle this web for us. So let's just start with the basics. This whole CARES Act is a lot more than just stimulus checks, right? Exactly. It deals with um, several concepts. You know, it's about getting cash flow, saving, getting more people into more money into people's pockets. It's about keeping people employed to reduce unemployment on the business aspect. It's to lower 2020 tax liabilities and potentially defer tax liabilities in the future. And all of this is designed to soften the impact of the economic problems of the pandemic to avoid a deep recession and hopefully not a depression to keep the country moving and economically sound as we get through this. That's what this is all about. It has various aspects, tax related, cash flow related, loan related in order to keep the thing, keep the economy moving and keep businesses working. Yeah, we'll get into some of the finer aspects of this as it pertains to both businesses and individuals. But in regards to those stimulus checks, how does that for individuals affect their tax filings for next year? Okay, so the the MDS, the economic uh, stimulus checks or these rebate checks um, were based upon uh, certain tax filing uh, data, certain like AGI limits on 2019 returns previously filed or 2018 returns. And the stimulus checks um, when received by the individuals are considered tax-free, okay? They don't have to return this money at all. And depending upon their income level, individual taxpayers could have received a refund check of up to $1,200 and joint filers could have received up to $2,400. 
And also, they could have also received potentially an additional $500 amount in that stimulus check for any dependent children they might uh, might have. So that's good. It's a tax-free. There's nothing to worry about when it comes to filing for 2020. Exactly right. And for those of the, those individuals who have not received the check because they may not have filed before or maybe they're a first-time filer, they'll be able to get that refund check when they file their 2020 return. But for most taxpayers, they've either received the refund check or will be receiving it at some time in the future. Good to know. As far as other individual benefits, uh, what if somebody were to take money out of their IRA or, or 401k? How is that distribution affected here? So based on the law, there's something called required minimum distributions or RMDs. So if a person has to take money out of an IRA, that's an RMD payment. And of course, that would be subject to income tax. Under the, the CARES Act for the year 2020 and the year 2020 only, the RMD requirement to take money out of IRAs and 401ks and certain retirement plans has been suspended. So if you have not taken out your RMD distribution for 2020 and you're required to under the CARES Act, you could actually defer making that payment all of 2020 not to create an income tax liability. And this is one of the ways of, of having individuals save taxes because a lot of people have to take money out of their IRAs and 401ks and they don't necessarily need it for living expenses, but they're required to under the required minimum distribution rules. So that would mean they would have to pay a tax. Now, if they don't have to take that money out for this one year pass for 2020 only, they don't have to pay an income tax, so they're actually saving money. And there's also a hidden benefit to this too in the law because when this was passed by Congress, by, 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 by eliminating RMDs for 2020, that will be less money coming out of retirement plans, which helps growth of those plans for the future. Mm -hmm. But more importantly, what it does is it reduces the amount of money coming out of the stock market because typically when people take money out of their 401k or IRAs, they're actually taking money out of the stock market yeah. one way or the, another because that's where their money's primarily invested. So this actually keeps the stock market from going into potentially more of a free fall if it ever corrected again, because we know we had a correction in the market in March, in, in, the, in the middle of March and the end of March, the market's recovered a lot since then, but we really don't know where the stock market's going to go in the future. So one of the hidden benefits I think Congress was trying to implement was to um, reduce the amount of withdrawals from the equity markets as well. Yeah, that's interesting. Now, now, on the business side, there's a couple of loans that were offered. There was the Paycheck Protection Program and also the Economic Disaster Loan. What's the difference between those two in terms of what they can be used for? Okay, exactly. So there's a lot of information on this, and the PPP loans were, were very, are very complicated. It's gone through very, a lot of areas of law changes, but basically a PPP loan is called the Paycheck Protection Program Loan. And that's a loan offered by the SBA through local SBA uh, qualified banks for uh, companies that have 500 employees or less in order to get money into their account so that they do not lay people off and keep people employed, and they can take this money and use it in their business to sustain the economic downturn because of COVID. And they're supposed to take that money and use it for specific purposes. And they're supposed to use that money based on the current provisions. At least 60% of that money must be used for payroll and payroll related costs. And up to 40% of that money can be used to pay rent, certain utilities and book business and certain interest expense on business loans. And as long as they use that money for that purpose and they borrow the money with a certification that says that they needed the money because they were facing uncertain economic times because of COVID-19, 
then if they follow those rules and use the money for the purpose, then at some point they could apply for loan forgiveness and potentially have some, if not most, if not all of that money forgiven where they don't have to repay it. And to the extent it's not forgiven, they would have to repay that money back to the SBA uh, at a very low 1% interest rate over a two to a five year period. But what's the, the process like? Of- what's the process like for, for applying for that loan forgiveness? Like someone like you can help with that, obviously. Absolutely. What happens is once the money is obtained, you have either an eight week or a 24 week period to use that money. You could elect either or. And once you've used that money, it's an entirety. There are certain rules on when you could apply for loan forgiveness. The bank that lent the money will be facilitating that with the taxpayer to fill out a form for loan forgiveness, which will be done anytime this year or potentially sometime next year. We're still waiting for some guidance on uh, the timing of this and when the banks are going to be able to have loan forgiveness applications available. And that's, that's typically on a bank by bank basis. Um, so that's where we're waiting for some more guidance. But the interesting part about this loan is if it's forgiven, the money that is received is tax free. However, to the extent that that money is forgiven, and this is what a lot of businesses may not realize, to the extent that money is forgiven and does not have to be repaid because it was used for those purposes, the money that was used for payroll, payroll related costs, rent, utilities, and things like that is not tax deductible. So the money coming in that's forgiven is tax free, but the money that it's used for are not deductible items. That's one of the hidden pitfalls of the law that a lot of businesses might not be aware of. The other loan that is out there and continues to be, there's new uh, provisions to continue to apply for this loan, as well as the PPP loan, by the way, you could still apply for the PPP Mm -hmm, loan, mm -hmm. but the other loan is the EIDL loan, which is the Economic Injury Disaster Loan, and that loan, you could borrow up to $2 million at a 3.75 interest rate and have a repayment for up to 30 years, and within that loan structure, up to $10,000 of that could be forgiven as a tax-free loan, too. So there are these two loans that are involved here to keep companies um, employing uh, people to help pay for economic um, disasters and economic costs due to the COVID pandemic. So um, if if people have not taken advantage of these loans uh, with their advisors, they, they should still continue to try to get advantage take advantage of these loans by applying as soon as possible. You mentioned some of the fine print, though, with the pay paycheck protection program. You mentioned 60 percent has to be spent on on payroll and then the other uh, money that's spent is not tax deductible. What about the economic disaster loan? What are some of the, you know, hidden things there that people have to really pay attention to? Well, what they have to pay attention to there is they have to have an economic need for the money. And once they get this money in house, except the $10,000 that could be forgiven and tax-free, anything over that $10,000 must be repaid to the SBA uh, on a term out loan of up to 30 years at a 3.75 interest rate, 3.75% interest rate. So that money is not free money. That money is basically a loan, except up to $10,000 could be considered tax-free and, and, and a uh, non-returnable loan and a forgiven loan if certain parameters are met. And do you have to file for that forgiveness as well? Well, what happens with this is the PPP loan forgiveness is a form that's completed. And on that PPP loan forgiveness, you could request to have all of, potentially up to all of the loan amount forgiven uh, under the parameters I described earlier. But to the extent you got $10,000 from the economic injury disaster loan, you can't apply for an additional $10,000 forgiven amount under the EIDL. You can't have 
a double dip. It's only in one place or the other. So most people that apply for the PPP loan and apply for the EIDL loan, they have to subtract the $10,000 out on the economic injury disaster loan so they don't get a doubling up effect of a free $10,000 amount. Mm, that's interesting stuff because um, that could have implications yeah, there, come tax time, yeah. Exactly. There were some complications with that, so they should speak to their advisor to make sure that uh, they fill out the application uh, for forgiveness properly. What? But there's no forgiveness on the economic injury disaster mm-hmm. loan, just to emphasize to the listeners, except to the extent of the 10000 What about this employee retention credit? Great question. Now, in addition to these loans, and you can't double dip on the loan, you can't have a benefit in two places. So with the, econo- with the employee retention credit loan, uh, uh, credit rather, I'm sorry, that basically deals with a company that retain their employees, which is what the goal of the law is supposed to be. If you retain your employees, you're allowed to potentially um, uh, get a credit um, of up to um, 50, and you could actually have a credit for a certain reduction in the uh, payroll taxes. So basically what this means is if you keep your employees, you can actually defer some of your FICA taxes, the 6.2% FICA tax for up to three years. Well, you could defer a payment of that tax to be paid 50% by December 31 of 21 and 50% by December 31 of 22, as long as you retain employees. There's another credit out there that deals with a payroll tax credit, uh, Scott, it's a little bit different. This deals with getting an actual credit for not paying up to 50% of the employer portion of the FICA tax. But that's only if the company could prove on its payroll filings that its gross receipts declined by more than 50% comparing this year's quarter to last year's quarter for the respective time frame. So if a company can prove that their revenues uh, declined by more than 50%, half of their FICA tax for the employer portion could actually be considered a credit. But here's the catch. You can't get a free PPP loan forgiveness and also take advantage of these credits. It's one or the other. So mm-hmm. if a client or a taxpayer apply for a PPP loan and they get that money forgiven, they cannot also take advantage of the uh, payroll tax credit that I just described. It's one or the other. There's yeah, no one coupon per customer, okay? One coupon per purchase, all right? <laughs> exactly right. So th- exactly are, are right. there any businesses that are excluded from this? Or, or like we're talking about, you know, the food industry has been affected a lot. There are a lot of small businesses in terms of uh, the food industry. Other retail businesses have been just decimated. Are there any restrictions in terms of what type of business you're running? Well, not really on the, the type of business. The, the applicant for the loan, um, in, the, in the example of the PPP loans, has to prove that they have a, there was a certain or foreseen economic uh, downturn or effect on their business negatively because of COVID-19, that they have to certify when they apply for these loans that they really need the loans and there will be an economic need for those loans. That's the basis for the loans. Um, that's the gist of it. Now, many, many uh, businesses throughout the country, more than likely millions, have applied for these loans. And loans in excess of $2 million, according to recent guidance from the SBA, will be audited by the SBA through the banks mm. in order to determine the, the worthiness of those loans to those particular uh, taxpayers. Loans under $2 million, as what we know as of today, are not going to be audited because um, you know, it doesn't seem 
it doesn't seem that the government has the, 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 the wherewithal and the manpower to go out and audit all of them, but that's the basic gist. However, it's important for the listeners to realize, even if the loan on the PPP side was less than $2 million, when they signed that certification for the loan, they certified that to the best of their knowledge and belief that they need this money for economic reasons because the business would be suffering or did suffer from COVID. Now, that's very important. That's a certification that has to be taken very seriously. But Michael, what about businesses that, you know, have losses this year? How does that affect their income tax with the CARES Act? Uh, Scott, that's a great question. Um, Because when businesses lose money under the current law, they're only allowed to carry that loss forward into the future to offset future taxable income. But now under the CARES Act for the year 2020, and also for 18 and 19, I'll get to that in a moment, but for the year 2020, if they expect a net operating loss, they could actually carry that back to up, up to five years and get tax money that they previously paid to the government. This is only for federal tax purposes. So if you lose money in 2020, instead of only carrying that forward, we now have an opportunity to go back five years to recover tax money that we previously paid tax on. That puts more money in our pockets today to offset some of the, um, the, the financial impact of COVID-19. As I said earlier, when we first started, a lot of these laws are designed to get cash flow into people's pockets by reducing or deferring taxes. Here's an example of tax reduction by getting money back that was paid in the past. Now, for the listeners, it's important to know that if you had a loss in 2018 and 2019, you can go back and amend those tax returns and, get, and do carry back claims to get money back that you paid in earlier years, as long as you meet certain time requirements and you're within the statute of limitations. That's very important. That's a very key element of the law that we hope the, um, the listeners are, are aware of and they don't miss the opportunity. Now, how can someone like you and a company like CG help with all of this? Well, we're, we're, we have a, a very strong tax department and we have a very strong advisory group on our firm and we're all very familiar uh, with these laws, regulations, rules. As a matter of fact, we've done various webinars on the topics. Uh, we have a lot of um, literature going out uh, we have had for many, many months now on the topic. So what we do is we know our clients very well, and we've been advising them and counseling on this. For any new um, business that would want our advice, we would, we would meet with them. We would discuss their whole history. We would look at their current tax filings. We would discuss what they've done to date. We would do a plan of action for what we need to do for the future, and then we would implement that. Um, and there were various other very, very important tax benefits that came out in the CARES Act, unrelated to these loans that deal with IRAs, that deal with net operating losses, all designed to reduce taxes or defer taxes into the future to help, help um, you know, soften the blow of the pandemic and businesses and individuals that have been negatively affected by this financially. That's incredible stuff. Where, where can the listeners go to find some more information on this? Uh, well, what they could do is, um, um, CG Tax Audit Advisory has a website, uh, as you know, and we have uh, a lot of information posted to that website, all about the various, um, um, you know, areas of our firm, areas of specialization, and there's a whole separate website and a dedicated COVID-19 resource website that has a lot of this information posted, um, all of our uh, prior notices to clients, um, alerts. Uh, tax watch bulletins. It's all there on our website. It's very easy to navigate uh, for anybody who's interested to uh, read it. And of course, if any of the uh, listeners have any questions, the 
Uh, they're very welcome to um, contact our firm and speak to any one of us in the tax department, and we'll be able to navigate that for them and help them uh, get through it. Mike, thanks so much for, for breaking some of this down because a lot of people are just looking at what it says on the surface and not really getting into some of the finer details, and that's where they can get caught and be put in a dangerous situation. So I really appreciate you educating the audience on this. Well, thank you, Scott. I really appreciate the time and the opportunity to share my thoughts with the listeners. And, um, you know, I uh, we want to thank you very much. And again, if there's anything else that we could answer, uh, feel free to uh, reach out to our firm, myself or any of uh, my colleagues, and we'll be happy to um, speak to you again. Thanks so much, Mike. Talk soon. Thank you, Scott. Have a nice day. Michael DeMola, the shareholder in charge of the Tax Services Group. And again, for more information, be sure to head to cgteam.com where you can find the COVID-19 Resource Center amongst a ton of other resources that you need for your personal or business needs. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review the CG Business Advisor podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Or simply check us out on cgteam.com. We'll be back with you, new episodes each and every 1st and 15th of the month as we go through all of the important business-related issues faced by individuals and businesses right now now hearing from the experts themselves. Thanks again for tuning in. I'm Scott Seidenberg, and we'll talk to you next time on the CG Business Advisor Podcast.